David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I am Elliot Harris, and David is out of the studio today, but he will be back one of these weeks. We have another great show featuring a couple of Pro Football Hall of Famers from the 1950s and 1960s, for those of you with good memories or at least a sense of history. We have Green Bay Packers great Jim Taylor and Detroit Lions safety Yale Larry. First up... Jim Taylor. So when you went to LSU, basically, was that where you were going to go all throughout high school for college, being that you were from Louisiana, or were you looking at other colleges? Well, I got uh, invited to go to other colleges, you know, but I had uh, you know, made a couple of trips to other colleges and visited those and, and came back home and said, no, I'm going to stay in Baton Rouge here at my own uh, Louisiana State University College in my hometown. Here in Baton Rouge. Now, back then, Paul Dietzel was... Back then, Paul Dietzel was just getting well, uh, no, pretty much started in LSU. Then my first year, and then, and then Dietzel came, I think, my uh, junior year. Yeah. But, uh, and then Charlie Mack went to the uh, defensive coordinator of the uh, of the Tiger team. <clears throat> How, what was football like at LSU back then? Pardon? What was football like down there well, at LSU? It's a good sound football. They were, you know, the the LSU stadium is in a horseshoe, and they were looking to enlarge it. Now they they're finishing up with huge, uh, you know, growth and building and things now. And well, this is you know forty, fifty years ago. You know, a little different so from was, when you were uh, a little you know, different good. from when you were playing down there. Yes, but it's uh, it's still uh, you know good football. The SEC with Florida and. And, uh, you know, Georgia and Ole Miss and, uh, you know, these good teams that, that SEC year in and year out have good, good sound, uh, competitive uh, teams. And you had a teammate who also went on to the NFL, Billy Cannon. What, what was he like back then? Well, he, Billy Cannon and Johnny Robinson, which were with the Kansas City Chiefs as a defensive back. You know, and Billy went on. He was the AFL was coming into existence, so he was courted by uh, the Houston Oilers, Bud Adams, and then and then uh, you know later on the San Diego or the Oakland Raiders is who he ended up with uh, most of his career. You know, and he was a running back at the college level. Then they moved him to tight end. You know that he became a tight end with the Oakland Raiders and not necessarily a college running back. Johnny Robinson went to the defense for safety. He was a running back and played, you know. And then here at LSU, we were playing both ways. I was middle linebacker. I had 
probably better defensive and middle linebacker games than I did uh, running the ball because, you know, it was just run between the tackles and throw short passes and put your defense out there. Did you employ, did you enjoy playing defense more than uh, offense? Go ahead. Did you enjoy playing defense more than offense? Well, you just uh, stay. You didn't come off like the platoon system. And the fish went go like which was the first team. In fact, was defense. The team was more so some defense also. So, you know, it was just a different type of format back in uh, when they when the NCAA changed their uh, their thinking, their format, and, they, you know, the playing with different teams would just go out all 11 men, you know, on defense, and boom, you keep them in there six or eight or 12 plays, and boom, they're out. They may not go in the rest of the game. How much of a change was it when you got drafted by Green Bay and had to go up to Wisconsin and enjoy the lovely winters? Well, it's a specialization, and I stepped right in, and, uh, you know, being a running back, I caught some passes at the college level, and, you know, and you're blocking on uh, big defensive ends or blitzers and linebackers coming in, you know, to to protect your quarterback. So it's a it's a level of, of moving up and maturing and becoming a, a more polished player because you just play in that position, the running back position or fullback with the and then Paul Horning had come the year before and he was the halfback and I was the fullback. And Ron Kramer came from uh, Michigan, a, a good basketball player and tight end and he Stepped right in both those, or you know, played their freshman year. And it helped too having an offensive line, like you said. You had Jerry Kramer, you had Forrest Gregg, Jim Ringo, and Bart Starr. We talked to the other day, and he said the best player, or one of the best players in that line, was the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Bob Skaronski. Exactly. He Correct. said that he was just as good as Forrest Gregg in his opinion. Now, your your first season, you go there, and you, and the Packers go one ten and one. In, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. well, and do you say to yourself, what's going on here? Well, no, it's a, it's a shocker. You know, and I I didn't play uh, running back. I was on special teams, and Scooter McLean came from the Detroit Lions as the head football coach. you got to see the whole big picture. Then Lombardi came the following year in 59. <laughs> All right, I got there in 58, and like you say, we won one game, and it was, uh, you know, a learning or an experience where you had a very weak team, lots of older players and things, and then we got Ray Nitsky, and we got Willie Davis, and we got some other, uh, you know, that we uh, traded for. Henry Jordan was picked up, uh, you know, by the Packers and so and so. So it's a bigger picture. You know, even though we were, you know, we, we stunk it up and, you know, in the first year with one victory. So, you know, and it was my first year and I only played over in uh, California. We left Detroit after we played our Thanksgiving Day game and went on to, uh, to California to play LA and San Francisco. And I think they realized the coach was gone. So I was put in to, uh, to be the running back there in, in both those games. You know, and we we didn't win, but I 
I uh, gained over, I think, 120, 100 and some odd yards in both games, and but we lost them. So, um, you know, I think I had the feeling and the shock of saying, well, I think I can play this uh, professional football as a running back. What was it like when Vince Lombardi came in there? Well, he just, you know, just kind of sat down and, and everybody was going to be involved and he knew what he wanted to do and how he wanted to, to coach this team and how he wanted to lead them. And, and we had, the, you know, overall uh, so-so talent because we got some good draft picks, you know, in, in the first year or two. And so we were in the championship in 1960. His, uh, his second year, I think, we were 7-5 and five his first year from the 110 and one. One ten and one's my rookie year. The second year was seven and five. The next year we're playing the Philadelphia Eagles and and Franklin Field for the championship of the of the National Football League. That was a pretty swift and short turnaround. You guys lost to the Eagles seventeen to thirteen, and the Eagles in '58 were the only team that you beat your rookie season. Okay, so, right. So to go from that to the championship game, mm-hmm. what was that? What was that feeling like? Well, it's uh, you know it's a real big step up in class, and knowing that you you really you know moved up uh, a few extra skips, you know, up to, towards the top to compete against you know solid football teams, and here you were one ten and one, so you have to leave the the outhouse and try and move closer to the penthouse. I don't. I think this is a record that will never be broken. For uh, Vince Lombardi, only lost one playoff game in his entire career, and that was that Eagle game. That's mm-hmm. totally. That's mm-hmm. truly amazing. Do you think anyone could do what he did? It is. That is amazing as you look back. And well, he just was an assistant coach there at the high school level, and then the Army, and then went on to the New York Giants. And he just established, knew what he wanted to do with all his experience and all the different coaches and teams and all. And when he got to Green Bay, he said, this is the the formula, this is the format for uh, playing uh, championship football. And then he had the start, we started to put together the personnel at all the positions like, you know, now we've got, what, 10 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 5 on defense and 5 on offense, and Dave Robinson, I think, makes number 11. So it's, uh, you know, it's you can see the tradition and the history of the Green Bay Packers of establishing, after Lombardi arrived, the, the great team and the great concept of teamwork on both sides of the ball. He, he just wouldn't let anyone be... Uh, be bigger than the team, and everyone was expected to to play and do their uh, do their job and be a very you know very tough and, and and good football player. You won the NFL rushing title in 1962. You know that that was the only year Jim Brown didn't lead the uh, the league during Brown's career. Mm-hmm. How 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 were you able to do that? By outstanding blocking and outstanding coaching, and uh, and me uh, making my contribution with the uh, with the football. What makes it even more incredible was, like you said, you had Paul Hornick in the backfield with you, so you were splitting time. Can you imagine how many yards you'd have if Paul wasn't back there? Yeah, well, and, and I think he was. Uh, that was you know, sixty-two. Are you talking about right? right? 
Okay, I Correct. think he was suspended that year. Oh, there was. I thought so sixty-three. I'll have, I'll have to go back and look. I thought it was sixty-three. Was he was it? suspended. Okay, all right. Well, he was there, but I, I think he was injured, son. So we had uh, uh, Elijah Pitts and Tom Moore from Vanderbilt. Those two running backs, uh, who I think very, very active, and you know, in the replacement of uh, Paul. You go back and check some of your. You know, this is just kind of a that's fifty, you know, long time ago, and so yeah. that's my memory. You know, maybe it's. Uh, I might be wrong too. You never know. Mm-hmm. Well, check it all and see because it's just so long ago. You know, it's just all these games. You know, and and trying to spin the lower decks to come up with some factually. You know, from that length of that time ago. I may be wrong, but I don't remember you ever losing yards carrying the ball. You know, huh? Probably, probably not very many. You know, if Bart Starr handed the ball off to Jim Taylor, you knew he was going to get you some yards. You know, so if it was you know mm-hmm. third and one yeah. or fourth and one or two or or three or whatever it was, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you could be fairly confident that that you would get the yardage. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what what was the key to this? Other than just the offensive line, what was there a key to your success? Well, sure, because they was very explosive. They come off the football, and and I was able to get to the line of scrimmage, and and the teams that maybe had some different stunts on they call you know stunts where they'll all go strong to the right or left or or whatever. Being able to to read our offensive linemen's blocking and making maximizing the the yardage on on that play and and me as a runner I just got acclimated and and really you know it's just a matter of of really quick uh, decisions and and having you know split vision uh, you know to be able to see the blocking and things and being quick and being have good balance and all you know it's just, it just it, it, our running, our running game was, uh, you know, I stopped my running after that and then just maximize and trying to stay low and do the things, uh, you know, as an instinctive type as a runner. You were right. Paul Hornick was hurt in 1962. He only played in nine games. 62. Was he suspended, I think, maybe? 60. That was the year that Alex Karras and he, I think, was suspended for the gambling or whatever. That Pete Rosell or whoever it was, you know. How did that? How did that know. affect? You had to go back. How did that affect the team when he got suspended? Well, we we knew we had some good backups with Tom Moore and Elijah Pitts, and and we might have had you know, and some other players, some running backs that could plug in if uh, we had some injuries to uh, you know to our first teamers. And I was so fortunate and lucky. I didn't miss too many games. I didn't have too many injuries in my. In my whole career, I had no, you know, all my joints now, my ankles, my knees, my hips, my shoulders, and all are all functional. I didn't have any procedures or surgery or anything in, you know, my 10 years of at the professional level. What player tackled you to the hardest? Probably all your middle linebackers, probably Joe Smith and Sam Huff and Andy Robustelli or some outside linebackers. and. Uh, you know, the Chicago Bears had good ones. Detroit had them, and the Giants had them, and different teams. 
always had, uh, you know, came up with the, and your defensive ends and robust, you know, Cat Cabbage and uh, and the Colts uh, Marchetti, Gino Marchetti. You had some great uh, players uh, defense in, in those years, you know. And it didn't help going against Ray Nitschke, I'm sure, in practice. No, it wasn't. And, and, and during the week, and uh, Ray was a, a great player and a very aggressive player, and they just, you know, led our defense. And they uh, they were so strong people, I don't think maybe give them all the credit that they're deserving, the uh, pack of defense. You know, we talk about Bart Starr and the receivers and the Horning and myself, you know, but the defense had had outstanding players. I mean, they were just solid. You know, just game in and game out. They were just so productive, you know, and just got the job done and kept the teams from scoring and kept teams, uh, you know, just shut them down. After the Packers won their first championship under Lombardi, did the players realize this could be the start of, of a dynasty? A dynasty like that? I don't think so. I don't know that, you know, I mean, we really wanted to follow them. We needed, we wanted leadership because it hadn't been at the Packers then. They were just starving for, uh, for leadership and for, you know, because the, the Horning team, I think, went two and ten or whatever, and we went the one ten, the worst in Packer history. So it was just a complete turnaround, but the personnel was there. It was just a matter of, of getting the, uh, the teamwork and the, the players to, uh, you know, to work together to, to maximize, to show exactly what we could accomplish. And with the talent we had and the players and with the Lombardi's leadership and his type of motivational, uh, you know, so it all come together and we just uh, maximize and, you know, the 12-2 and two season or the 11-3, and three, uh, you know, we're just uh, pretty good seasons were with uh, you know, with some young players and Lombardi only being there two or three years, and I like him being there eight or ten years, and these things starting to happen. So it started from the grassroots, and we started to build, and uh, you know, it went real fast, you know, because the talent was there and the leadership was there, and the, and the productivity and the results uh, were evident. In their first Super Bowl. Could you believe that he let Max McGee play in that game after he was out all night, or did Lombardi not know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are some good, good stories. I don't know whether I could, yeah, well, I, well, you know, it's uh, what it is, what it is. But yeah, he's a he's a uh, different type player, and he was a phenomenal. You know, he had had some experience down in uh, in uh, in New Orleans. You know, where he went with Tulane. So surely he had some experience on Bourbon Street, <laughs> and here he heads up with the Green Bay, and everybody knows you, and tell all the, you know, all over a little small Green Bay. So, you know, it's uh, he had no, you know, I, I possibly that that, that happened, but uh, you know, he uh, he still uh, you know came to play. He was a good competitor, and he, you know, I remember seeing him play at at Tulane in his college days. He was a running back at the, you know at that level at that time, and they moved him you know to the wide out you know not the tight end or anything you know. You know what his nickname was, don't you? No, what was it? 
paper head. <laughs> he, he wasn't he wasn't really stick his head in there to, to make a whole lot of blocks. You couldn't find him on running plays, maybe, but he was a good uh, competitor and had great hands and you know and a good uh, you know leader on our team with his uh, you know with his humor. <laughs> Who did Lombardi? Who did Lombardi find the most during his tenure? You think Paul Hornick, Max McGee, or somebody else? No, probably one of those two would be the top uh, top ones that uh, you know they got fined for for late or not being in bed or or female being in the room with, with them. Who knows? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah. So it wasn't your job to keep tabs on Horning. No, I wasn't involved in social life in Green Bay. I came to the to the uh, Green Bay Packers to play football in that little town, and and I yeah, I was a pretty straight shooter. I really de- dedicated myself to training and fitness, and I said I'm gonna be the best physical condition player on this football team because I knew I was gonna get the ball 25, 28 times, game in and game out, and that's. I needed my fitness level to be at the peak. You had all those stars, like you mentioned. You had eleven Hall of Famers in that team. How did you? How did Lombardi keep the Eagles in check? Or whose team was it? Or was it basically Lombardi's team? Well, you see, back in those days, uh, the, the egos and the all about me did not exist. The, the football team was not. Uh, Individually uh, hungry to to be uh, on television, on the newspaper, this or that. They just want to be their team player and do their job. This is my attitude uh, sitting here in my house today. I want to play football and be the best football player. I I wouldn't worry about the money or about the publicity or whether I'd get all pro or this or that. This wasn't the mentality of our football team and myself uh, and at the ring leader. You know, today's players uh, have a little different perspective and have a little different attitude than than our football team. You can take take that and take that, and it's uh, it's valid from a lot of our football players: Forrest Gregg and Fuzzy Thurston, and Jim Ringo, and and Willie Wood and Herb Adley, and uh, yeah, Willie Wood. These people uh, came to uh, be orientated to be team concept. It's just so hard for anybody in today's generations to understand that. I mean, you can put it in print, you can tell them over and over and over, and it just doesn't resonate or doesn't penetrate to to their perceptive. You see where I'm coming from, or am you, I over? No, <laughs> am you're, I over you're, you're exactly right. It's a different game today. I don't know if well, free agency no, not, and the money ruined it or not. Well, well that, and, but the game itself on the field is no different. Okay? None. It's still played with the four to five second, follow me real closely, intervals on either side of the ball. Once Bart Star calls that play and snaps the ball, it's 1,000, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4, plays over with. So you have... Seventy of those, you know, what having the ball in the play twelve to thirteen minutes out of the three hours. This is what the average fan cannot possibly comprehend, and this is the way the football game is played. 
and this is some of Lombardi's beliefs and, and his inspiration and his leadership that he instilled in our Packer football team that this is the way it's played with explosion, often whether it's a running play or a passing play, it does not matter. And you go, the play's over with, you go off the field, you can continue the first down. Do you follow me? No, you're exactly right. People don't realize it. And there's no, nobody realizes it. The fans, the sportscasters, nobody wants to talk about the basis of really what the game is. Game of football is explosion and then doing your job and blocking and tackling and moving those chains. Well, first down, you know, here again, I was a, a back that I was going to, you know, run and then pick up that whatever yards and move the chains and move the chains, you know, and so that, but the average fan can't understand, you know, cannot possibly understand or comprehend what, what I'm telling you right here on this phone. What was Lombardi's pep talk like before the first Super Bowl? Well, I mean, it's just to, to, in retrospect, go back and what did we do all the week? We worked on the first downs. We worked on explosion. We worked on getting yourself mentally tough to play the game against the opponent. You look at the films all week against your opponent, the middle linebacker, or who I'm going to be this, and the linemen or you know, evaluating and looking at the people they're going to block either on a run or pass. And then you go back, and once the game's over with, then the Monday morning or whatever, then you start to look at where you broke down and where, what it cost you. And, and if you uh, lost, then let's uh, amplify these uh, situations where I did or Boris Craig or whoever – for you know, was the reason that we lost, or if we, you know, we winning and we exploding, you go twelve and two and thirteen and one, and you, you know, you're not concerned, but you have to go back open, recoup, and work on on your weak points and your breakdowns to try and Lombardi tried to get you to be perfect, which is impossible. Okay, for any player to to block a hundred percent on pass and a hundred percent on run. Lombardi was at Lombardi was at New York. He was the offensive coordinator, and Landry was a defensive coordinator. Was there more of a rivalry between those two guys when you guys played the Cowboys that he wanted to beat the Cowboys more than any other team? No, no, not really. It's just that you're there to do your job, and you love competition. This is the point. Just forget about all this, all this media and all this talk and all this crap. Let's let's put the ball on the field, and this, this is the only thing I had in my head. Let's put it on there. Let me hit these guys. Give me the ball. See, I no. mean, it's, you're excited about exploding and doing your job, and the fans to enjoy it, and for you to make uh, field goals and touchdowns and win. That's the ultimate thing, and and we have our eleven on offense and eleven on defense. And here again, the fan cannot understand that either. You know, you can write and you can talk and things, but I could preach this over and over and over, and the fans would not understand it. You know, if I had a big uh, thousand people or whatever, I could go down through there and talk to them face-to-face. Is there any coach in today's game who you think gets the closest understanding how the game should be played? Well, 
your your New England coach, and uh, maybe there's a few of them, but uh, you know, but here again, they've got to uh, got to get the uh, you know the following and get the players to play for them, and that's the that's the breakdown. Today's players will just rebel. See, it's kind of like it's kind of like I know it. I, you know, it's know it all type attitude. I know it all. I don't need any advice. I don't this and that. And this is a team concept in a football team that you're trying to play with. So it's very difficult in today's generations to be able to break that barrier. And Lombardi did a Lombardi Lombardi did a great job because Herb Adderley said there wasn't a racist bone in his body. He kept that team together. He Mm -hmm. basically kept us in line, and everyone respected Lombardi. Absolutely, yeah, and that's. uh, that's the real true, uh, you know, and this is a difficult time with the leadership and all your 32 teams to be able to accomplish that, even come close to it. You know, it's just such a far stretch. You know, I can't reach my arms far enough to, to say, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, the difference in how far apart and, and how that they're not being successful in what you're just saying. You see where I'm coming from? And that's why after about uh, four or five games, and these teams are uh, four and one or uh, five and zero, then their season's over. Because they don't, they can't reach down and don't have the, the guts and the fortitude and everything else that goes into being successful. And they just blow it off and say, well, let's get the season over. And only the teams that have, have a, uh, you know, six and one or, or eight and two or whatever record. Can uh, continue to compete. I mean that that those teams that are after the half the season or something saying, well, we're we're going to continue to fight to to get in the playoffs. The other teams, the other twenty twenty five teams said, well, let's cash it in. This season's over. Let's take our money and go home. It wasn't like that with the Giants and the Cleveland teams and the Chicago Bears and the Packers. That was not the attitude of the football players when I played. See where I'm coming from? And this is the God's truth. This ain't no bullshit. I ain't, I ain't about smoke and mirrors. You know, I'm laying it on you. I mean, you get in this interview, you, you won't get something like this from anybody, I promise you. What was it like when you left Green Bay to go to the New Orleans Saints? Did you know that was going to be your, your last year? I probably had a sense that it was, sure. Mm-hmm. Because of the expansion team and you got players from all the other ones and you know, and, you know, I came home and uh, to New Orleans, to Louisiana, and joined the expansion team, and, uh, you know, that was uh, that was it, you know. So I made my choice to uh, to play with that team, and at the end of that, uh, that one season, I said I will go into scouting and radio and continue to fulfill my my contractual agreements. And this is a little, surely it was uh, understood that this uh, could possibly happen after one year of playing. Yeah, there wasn't anybody in the dark. There wasn't any living in denial that my career was coming to an end and I was willing to accept it and move on. No. No, there's no smoke and mirrors here either, you know. Because it was you were drafted by him and what, Paul Hornig? But Paul never played a game with the Saints. Well, he he uh, didn't was never on the team. He didn't pass the physical. It was probably for yeah, being out too. It was probably for being out too much in uh, Bourbon Street there. 
Well, probably so. Yeah, he probably his dancing was more more uh, of a priority than than football. <laughs> you know, he was he was ready to throw it in and uh, and really put the uh, the toe of the <laughs> tip it to the shoe, the dancing and singing or whatever you know than football. Do you think Jerry Kramer's ever going to get in the Hall of Fame? I know Dave Robinson's going in this year, but yeah. I feel bad for Kramer. He's one of the top players in his era. He was one of the in the 50th anniversary team. He's the only member not in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand why he's not in yet. Yeah, well, this is uh, you know the the, uh, the voters that uh, nominate and then vote in players uh, you know year in and year out. So I can't uh, can't give you any any answers any response on that because I have no idea, you know, whether Fuzzy Thurston and uh, you know Ron Kramer and this and that whoever you know Willie Wood and Herb Adley's in there and different you know and Dave Robinson very deserving very deserving and he'll be uh, will be there this uh, this year for him going in probably at the fiftieth anniversary so uh, yeah. We look forward to Dave and uh, him being uh, presented, and yeah, yeah. All right, how we doing? We're about to close it, shut yeah. it down here. Yeah. My last question: What was it like when you went in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's just a great uh, feeling to to be there and recognized by your your peers and at the at the hall there, and you know, it's just a, a wonderful feeling that the, you know is that you're just cherishing the moment and. Uh, you know, you just uh, just kind of just move on. It'd be like you, you know, scoring a touchdown or, or having the winning catch or this. You know, I mean, it's just a a, a real gratifying, uh, self-satisfying, uh, you know, feeling that uh, that that you uh, achieved or competed, and uh, you know, the ultimate is to uh, you know, is to do the best job you can do, and this is is giving you the recognition. And then you move on. You know, I mean, that's it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. After a brief break, we will be back with an interview that David and I conducted with Yale Larry. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. <laughs> 